Well, good afternoon, everybody. And we're back here again with Whole Lot of Comedy podcast number two. And uh, joining me today, Elaine Blackmore, is the amazing Brandon Burke, who's featured at Flappers Comedy Club, Burbank, California, the Ice House Comedy Club, California, Comedy Store, LA, and pretty much all over London, including a whole lot of comedy. This 2020, he was nominated the British Comedy Guide Pro Talent Award. Um, was nominee for that. Welcome, everybody, Brandon Burke. Yay. Yay, Elaine and Graham. I am so glad to be chatting with you all today. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Re- ready for your inquisition. <laughs> On your yeah, so, throw it at me. We'll see what will happen. Throw it at you. Um, so we know that you were born in Mountain Grove because you tell people in your act in USA, and you're actually brought up on a dairy farm, um, which sounds idyllic because it's like to me the Oklahoma was fantastic, and um, what else was there? Meet me in St. Louis was amazing, and and now you left there, and um, so. Why did you decide to do that? Why did you want to leave such an idyllic place? Yeah, you know, Missouri, that that part, uh, is, it is beautiful country. And uh, whenever people ask me about it, I always tell them that if you just close your eyes for a minute and you picture like um, beautiful green hills and streams and lakes and pine trees and homophobes and racists and fat white women in mobility scooters shopping at Walmart, that's... Yeah. That's exactly the little area that I lived in. And I think that contains everything why I liked it and why I left. <laughs> Bye. And um, so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> and, and on your set, you always have your guitar with you. you. You like your guitar. When did you first start playing your guitar? Was that with your family when you were young? Um, you know... I think every every dude at some point has picked up a guitar and said, you know what? I think I'd look pretty sexy holding one of these. <laughs> and I, I, I think every one of my buddies has bought like five or six in their life. And I did that same thing and I never learned how to play. I have very limited natural music ability, but when we had the first lockdown, I thought, you know what? If this is gonna happen. I'm gonna leave this with a new skill. So I started, I picked up the guitar and started playing during the lockdown. Wow. Well, so said- I started playing. So I am, hold on, I am 49 right now. So I started playing when I was 49. Well, it, <laughs> I thought you'd been playing for years. So that's- Oh, thank you. Yeah. I fooled you. That's good. <laughs> so that, that's brilliant. So, um, so what did, so, when you were growing up then, did you play any other musical instruments or? I didn't. I, you know, I always wanted to. I was, the things that were options for me were um, football. That was the option. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I wanted, I wanted to sing and dance. And I used to petition my family for a piano for years and years and years. And, uh, and that never happened. I wanted some sort of little outlet. We had moved to, at one point, we moved to the city and uh, a traveling salesman, this was in the early 80s, a traveling salesman came by our house selling um, accordions. And <laughs> he came into our house and he pitched my parents about how to have an accordion. And I thought, well, this is kind of like a piano, but you wear it. 
like a vest. So it was like the closest thing that I was trying to like, yes, make this happen. And they told my parents about how it helped them with, helped me with my school and my math and my language and all this other stuff. And then the guy sent me into the back room and, and get, had little things and, and told me how to play um, like Ode to Joy on it. And when he's sitting back in my room, giving me instructions, he was like sweaty. And you can see like the desperation on his face to try to make a sell. And I, the only thing I was curious about is just how like, how um, attractive I would look holding one of these things. So as soon as he left, I ran into the mirror and thought, how can I dance and also play one of these things? So we didn't end up buying one, but that was the closest I got to having any kind of like musical experience growing up. So, so you're dancing then when did they did they do like barn dances and things like that where you were growing up or well yeah so you can you can think bar dance so you would think um like the country two-step or like line dancing uh-huh. so that is like the closest outlet to any type of dancing but what I wanted to do I wanted to do like you'd see like Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire like <laughs> in the old movies that's what I wanted and um <laughs> We had this guy that lived across the street from us and he was a big beer drinker for Coors Light. And he would gather us, all the kids in the neighborhood, his kids and me, and we'd go over once a month and he'd pay us to stomp on his Coors Light cans so we can turn them in for recycling. All right. And I learned that if I stepped on them just right with my little feet, I can get the cans to stick to the bottom of my feet. <laughs> and then tuck so hold on there so all the kids as everybody's stomping them around I would like get them on there and then I'd like tap dance on the floor I'd be like oh my I'm doing it look at me I'm doing it so that was my tap dance lesson brilliant absolutely well, this brilliant. is before YouTube you couldn't like look up like how to tap dance how to how to dance you just saw things or whatever your imagination ran with that's how you thought it was and you'd create your own little fantasy world about being on stage and dancing and performing in front of a lot of people. You know? And now you do it for real. <laughs> now, you... Right now, now that I have, I can make my own choices as a big boy, I can do it for real. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you went, you went into acting eventually. How did you get in? You did a bit of acting? Well, I always wanted, you know, I always wanted to, I was just interested in the arts. And if you can't sing, if you can't dance, if you don't know how to play an instrument, acting seems like maybe the easiest one. Like maybe you don't need any training or talent. Maybe you just need to just say some lines and then you can become an actor. That, that was my idea. It would seem like the easiest road into it. And I didn't even start acting. Um, I, I did as soon as I was old enough, as soon as I got myself a car got a Fiat when I was like 16 years old and put a new um, starter in it. And then that gave me access to be able to drive into town because there was nothing near us. I mean, we had acreage, but there's nothing, nowhere to go just by walking on your feet. You're not going to get very far. So as soon as I got a car, I was able to drive into town and then found a, like a little playhouse. They were called uh, Civic Light Operas back then, I think, where they did like musicals and such. And then I went and got on their audition list and would just start auditioning for these plays. Like in the ensemble, I played a Winky and Wizard of Oz and all those little like chorus roles. Cause they're always looking for like boys to be in these shows, right? Cause they had tons of girls, but they didn't necessarily have boys to be in the ensemble. 
you know, and so I get all these little parts doing these little things. And that was my introduction to dancing and singing. In fact, in The Wizard of Oz, not only was I a Winky, I was an Ozonian. I was 16 years old, I was an Ozonian. And then they had a scene called the Jitterbug scene, which got deleted from the movies. But it's when Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Lion there and the Tin Man, they're in the jungle. And the witch sends out these bugs to um, come and get them. There's even a line that's still in the movie that says, I'll send the little bugs to take the fight out of them. But they cut the scene, the jitterbug number, but it's in the play. So I wanted to be a jitterbug so bad because all the other kids my age were jitterbugs. And I told the choreographer I wanted to do it, wanted to do it. She finally let me in. I stood in the very back and the very far right where nobody can see me. But man, I learned that choreography. And at the very end of the show, the choreographer sent me a little note that said, Brandon, you're a sweet kid and you're a hard worker, but you got two left feet, take some <laughs> dance classes. And I did, I did. <laughs> so, so then you decided to move into comedy, was it then or? So that was, so I started comedy when I was 45. Um, <laughs> because I started getting, I started getting a little acting work. Um, because when we moved down to Bakersfield, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bakersfield, California. If you've ever read like The Grapes of Wrath, um, they talk about that, that, that Dust Bowl movement. You know, you had a lot of people from areas like Missouri and Texas and Oklahoma, the Okies, who moved from that part of the, the, the nation into the West Coast, particularly the middle part of California, the Central Valley of California. So you have generations above me that moved out there trying to find work. So you have these little areas in California that look like little tiny versions of Oklahoma and Missouri. People have accents, people wear cowboy hats. It's very, very rural. And so I had family there in that area of, of Bakersfield. So I'd moved back and forth to Bakersfield and back home. When I was living in Bakersfield, Bakersfield's only an hour and a half from Los Angeles. So I'm living in Bakersfield and thought, you know, I wanna do this and here I am so close. So then I went down and tried to get an agent and got headshots and all that stuff. And then I started just getting a little bit of work um, at around age 42 is when I started that. And I started um, booking stuff. I booked a lot of stuff, music videos, lots and lots of music videos, commercials, short films. What happened was I got typecast based on my look. And the only work I was getting in all these music videos was as wife beater, um, wife beater, wife beater, um, bad cop, um, and criminal. Um, so my, my reel that I have of my acting reel is just me just beating up a lots of women. <laughs> and I told my agent, you know what? I think I can do more than just be angry face. I think I could be funny. And he says, well, why don't you try stand up? That'll give you an opportunity to just kind of write your own stuff. And then you can experience that and then once you have something good some reels we can include that and then send you out for some more comedy stuff then i started doing it in los angeles comedy and i loved it i loved the writing i liked the experience of taking my own narrative something that was truth and honest and delivering it in a way that was a little more palpable um, with some humor in it and i enjoy it I, I i like that more than acting i think the writing yeah well we enjoy seeing you over here what brought you to london then um, my partner uh, is here getting a PhD. Uh, so we decided that that's something that he wanted to do. So we sold everything. We sold 
land, we sold our house, we sold our cars, we sold motorcycles, got rid of horses, got rid of dogs, got, we did it all and we moved here so he could get his PhD in history for three years. Wow. Well, we're very lucky. We appreciate, we, we're so pleased your partner wanted to do that and you came with him. Thank you, Elaine. So do you think you will, will you return once he's got his PhD or do you think you may stay now? The, the government's response to the lockdown has changed a lot for us, right? I mean, you see what's going on in the United States right now. Um, here is weird. The universities are closed but still charging tuition um uh, uh rent in london is high um what they're trying to do is extend like oh we're locked down right now but we're gonna give you an additional six months or a year to finish your thing but i just i don't know some of it, so much of it is up in the air but i am fine elaine with just looking at opportunities as they present themselves trying to keep a happy face um, um and just experiencing what we can do and what and what's manageable. So to answer that, I don't know what is going to happen. We will so, see. <laughs> well, you need to get yourself down to Cornwall and Devon because I was brought up in Plymouth and spent a lot of my holidays in Cornwall so on the on the beaches and um, on the moors. And so you have your town, and then around you in from Plymouth, you can either get to the seaside within half an hour, or you be in the middle of the moors in half an hour. It's the Ooh, most Cornwall. Or right, I haven't been to Cornwall, but I like. I like the sound of the name, so, Cornwall. Cornwall. So I, Cornwall. I know Plymouth is Devon, you see. So we're, and then there's a big Cornwall, Devon sort of. Um, what does that mean in Cornwall? Is it Wall, W-A-L-L? C-O-R-N-W-A-L-L. So it'd be oh. like Essex or Wales or, or Devon or Suffolk. Cornwall is Cornwall. a area yeah. right at the end of the country, Land's End. So right as far away as you can go, that's where. Um, as far away as you can go. Sometimes that's all I want, Elaine. Sometimes I think that's all we want. That's right. So, but it's civil. It's it's civilized. It's lovely, and um, <laughs> you definitely. That's a, that's a funny <laughs> adjective for a place. <laughs> civilized. So you just yeah you have to, you have to get yourself in there because it's 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 beautiful and I miss it. We go to Dartmoor once a year. Um, just to get away because I think I'd go mad and we, we we did actually manage to get there we do murder mystery weekends on the moors which are, we could just escape then and it's brilliant because you can't I went get... to um, last month right before this lockdown we went to the peak district oh beautiful yeah 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 that was beautiful the ride up was beautiful that was fun I like that that's right more expensive to live there in the pink district but beautiful so it's yeah so no fantastic anyway I digress um so who would you actually if you could choose any comedian to go to dinner with who would it be okay any comedian that I go to dinner with um have you have you guys watched any of that um comedians and cars getting coffee Oh yes, yes, yes. With, the, um, the meal one, we've we've seen that. With um, with uh, Jerry um, 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 um <laughs> Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. I know. Yeah. So 
I would invite Jerry Seinfeld to dinner, and here's why. I never thought he was a funny comedian. I did not like, I wasn't a big fan of Seinfeld, but watching comedians and cars getting coffee, you get a sense a little bit about who he is and what makes things funny and why things are funny and why it's important to be funny and who's not funny. I'd invite him. I think he's a smart chap. Brilliant. No, well, Graham actually bought me the Jerry Seinfeld book, Is, it, is This Anything, oh. uh, for Christmas. So uh, I, I'm oh. in the middle of reading that as well. How is so it? It's good. It's good. Really good. Okay. So, But I understand you've been writing something. I have. So during, so I have tried to do as many things during this lockdown as I can. I learned to play the guitar. I learned to play the spoons. Um I went out, <laughs> little percussion, Graham, yeah. I went outside all the little um, theaters that are closed, and I did my own performances of the hit songs from Wicked and Mary Poppins and Book of Mormon. And I started writing my an autobiography, uh, short stories of my life. Um, and I mostly did it for me, starting off, and um, it's rectifying what it's how to rectify what it means to be gay and to be a Christian and to grow up in the area that I grew up and how to make your way and managing about who you are and who you want to be. And I titled the book, A Jesus Loves You Neck Tattoo. Um, so I've been writing that during this lockdown and I've been putting out just little segments on a... Um, blog that I have and I have actually I pulled up just a little introduction to the book that if you wanted me to share that with your audience I am happy to oh yes please definitely so written from my perspective this one starts the beginning of the book starts in 1978 I am the hottest guy in my first grade class fashion model hot the other six-year-olds don't stand a chance against my good looks you put me on a Toys R Us magazine playing with Legos or on a Mickey Mouse hoppity hop and they will run out of stock. I am not just sexy, but confident. A confidence that isn't tempered by modesty. I smile at the teachers. I flirt at the grocery store. I walk around shirtless in my neighborhood, body confident, curly blonde locks, chubby cheek and strutting. I look like a white supremacist painting of the Christ child. Christ-like. If the Messiah were born to a farm girl named Donna Lynn from the Ozarks. Like Mary, Donna Lynn was unwed, a brunette teen, and surprised to find herself with child. Mary went to Bethlehem. Donna Lynn went to the back 40 on the dairy farm. Neither had running water. Both had sons with visions of standing in front of multitudes. One with a scroll, the other with tap shoes and a smile. The future doesn't worry me. I just need to make it past 33. Wow. Fantastic. Um, and your blog, can you say that nice and slowly so everyone can hear if they want to read some more? Sure. It's um, a Jesus loves you neck tattoo. Jesus loves the neck tattoo. And I actually think you get to that site by going to brandonburke.rocks. Brandonburke.rocks. Brilliant. Thank you, Brandon. It's been an absolutely pleasure to speak to you this afternoon. And um, it's just going to be lovely. And I can't wait to see you for real 
in the future. Yeah. Take care, my lovely. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Woo!